Hello, thanks for joining us again on China Manufacturing Decoded, the podcast from Sophist. Good to have everybody here. And Renault is back with me, Adrian. Hi, Renault. Hi, Adrian. And hi, everybody. Just so you know, if you're keeping track of these things, this is episode 151. Now, last week, Renault, Andrew was on with me and we were talking about testing for packages, uh, ISTA testing. So that's making sure that the package is actually going to withstand the punishment it's going to get during transit and everything's not going to be broken. But this week, something completely different. So we're going down the quality route. And the topic that we're going to be covering is what happens if you have repeated quality issues with your factory, who you're, you know, outsourcing your manufacturing to in Asia, more than likely, right? And you've got six tips and, well, a bit of other information about this topic as well, right? Yeah. So we regularly get contacted by people who say, well, we work with this supplier, but it's from from bad to worse, and we have this and this sort of issues with them, you know, just and let's just focus on quality issues in, in this episode. And it, it's it's always sort of the same um, the same stories. Most of the time it's it's um there's a few usual suspects and you know, you ask a few questions and then you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see, you know, it, it fits that pattern, right? <laughs> so that, that's what we want to cover. Mm. And, and really, f- first, few tips, yeah, six tips for making sure that they actually understand your quality standard, you know, that they're aware of it and that they, they are more likely to comply with it. Uh, because mm. this is really the the basics is the fundamentals, right? If they don't even know what you require, what that's a very big problem, isn't it? Uh, mm. How do you expect them to match? You know, to reach your requirements, that's a problem. So first, first thing is as a buyer, you have to um, you know to, to sweep in front of your door. You know, to, you, you need to make sure that you yourself are doing your your part of the job. Okay. And probably if when people say, well, this supplier has repeated quality issues and so on, most of the time, of course, I'm not saying the supplier is not at fault and maybe they overpromised on a lot of things and so on, but really uh, most of the time it already means that the buyer maybe did not do the proper due diligence, did not, uh, did not have the factory audited, did not make sure, you know, double confirm the supplier's understanding about, you know, what what customers require and did not ask Mm. the right questions and and so on and so forth. That's one thing. Okay, but that's sort of behind the buyer. You know, that's the past. And of course, one of my tips is going to be to switch to a new supplier. But first, very first thing is, hey, what, what about your quality standard? Right, you get to first tell the supplier what is wrong. Okay, they do something wrong. You're not very happy about it. You gotta get back to them, provide them some feedback. Okay, and if it's feedback from your own customers and you're just passing it on lazily to your own supplier, it's probably not going to be in the right format uh, to be effective. Okay. Right. Uh, if if 
if supplier gets you know one box and you open the box and the first two products are bad you know you're going to tell that to your supplier and they're going to say well you know uh it is still you know it, you just open one box out of 200 boxes and you just check the first two pieces what does that mean about the entire batch it doesn't mean anything right uh, you, mm-hmm. you know this customer was unhappy but and then you don't tell us about the other customers who are happy so it doesn't really have an impact right the way to tell the supplier about the quality issues is important you need to do a little bit of homework here also you need to actually go and have a little bit of a structured approach you know we open 10 boxes this is blah 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 right and if it's an issue on 100% of the products then you know, tell them you know i i picked whatever uh 20 products from 10 different boxes and they all display this kind of problem and here's photos here's how to measure it or test it or or confirm it visually you know uh, and this is not acceptable because this is what we told you, you know. And ideally, uh, it's because look at the approved sample and you, Mr. Supplier, have the same approved sample in your factory. Side-by-side uh, mm-hmm. side comparison is visibly different or I measure it this way and it's it's pretty clearly different, right? Or well, I don't know, I operate this electrical product and when I do this... It doesn't do that, but the, the sample does it that way, and that's what we approved of, right? That's um, often buyers will have a, an approved sample, and in that case, that can be useful. Sometimes they don't even have an approved sample, or or um, or they don't have the same. You know, they they did not get several samples, check that they are all the same, and all okay, and send it one back to the factory. Blah blah blah. Right? They don't do this, so. Even the supplier might not really understand because they might not they might not have kept uh, the same sample that was prepared at the same time as the one they sent to you, right? So that that's a problem. Um, if you have already communicated to them, this is very important. It needs to be this way and that way, and it's written black and white. Okay, great. Find that discussion. Show it to them. Very often it's in email, sometimes in, in WeChat or Skype or something like that, which is mm. pretty bad, frankly, because it can be wiped out and disappears. You know, if you change from one computer to another or something like that, uh, it, it could just disappear uh, among other reasons. <laughs> so try to find that, you know, take a screenshot and see, you know, that, that day I, I showed you this and I told you that. And, and now here's what I found and it's different, right? But you need to show them that this is not the standard that you approved, okay, if possible, or the or this is not compliant to the instructions you gave them. Uh, because in China, there's a saying, <laughs> uh, is that if, it, if it's not written, it doesn't exist. You know, if you mm-hmm. told them, if you told them, then they're going to be like, oh, I don't know, yeah, we forgot it. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of things, you know, in that meeting and six months ago. How am I supposed to remember every little detail? And maybe they would even say, well, I don't think you say that, actually. I think you say this was mm. okay. And then, mm. but, and, and you know, memory is not very reliable. You know, how, how do you come back to, to this kind of comment, right? So the way to tell them is very important, okay? And, and mm-hmm. provide photos, videos, 
provide a clear way of comparing or testing or measuring, you know, with a clear standard and, you know, maybe a clear uh, uh, specification and tolerances and things like that. So at least they know it going forward, right? Okay. The, the, the second tip is don't wait, you know, the, the later you tell them, the worse it is for you. Okay. Yeah. If, um, if you tell them when they're putting together some pre-production uh, prototypes or samples, well, okay, then, you know, go ahead and do the new round of, uh, of, of samples and, and, and fix it and don't good. You know, you, mm. you lost a little bit of time uh, and that's it. If they start to put together a, uh, you know, mass production for you and, uh, maybe you, you, you work with a company like ours. We send an inspector. We find the issues. Well, the products are still at the factory. And if it's during production, they can already hopefully, you know, either like st- stop production or, uh, make some changes right away so that the rest of production is not, uh, does not display the same issues, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully in, in the best cases that's possible. Right. If you wait until everything is finished and then you have an inspector go there uh, and, and find the problem where already it's harder to to uh, to get to a quick and easy resolution because they really don't want to reopen all the boxes and mm. put everything back on the line and make some changes and that maybe they need to reorder some components and and you know tear apart the product and 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 <laughs> and, and so on and so forth. Obviously it's very painful for them. And they might already start to say things like, you never told us about that. We didn't know it was a problem. Mm. You want to change now? Um, you know, uh, we, we, we cannot do these changes on this order. Sorry, we'll be on the next time, but you cannot tell us now, you know, and maybe you've already paid a hundred percent. So mm. what can you do? Right. And again, if you haven't, specifically written it to them and, and, and gotten their clear okay and you don't and you or if you don't find that it doesn't exist. That's uh, mm. that's China unfortunately. Right? So yep. give feedback early on as much as you can. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah tip number three uh, is something I, I, I saw many in many cases is yeah let's say that there's a final quality inspection at the end of production and the inspectors find some problems and then the, the buyer you know is like oh i'm really not comfortable with that um however maybe there's a tight deadline and the buyer is thinking you know that let's say the importer is thinking well uh, if i if i let them ship this week then my own customers are going to get it on time and at least I'm not going to get killed with that. And this might be a quality issue, might not be a huge issue. I'm not really sure, right? So the temptation is just to say to the supplier, okay, uh, go ahead and ship. And then you can say, I'm not happy, blah, 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 blah. But you tell them, okay, and ship. What's going to happen is they're going to remember it, (laughs) right? And maybe... Maybe you you get down on the on the, the the salesperson and you're really upset and you, you you know you're all red in the face and so on and you think well they really remember they don't want to have that kind of 
humiliation again or something. But if it's a problem from maybe one of their suppliers, you know, the, the purchasing people don't know and they don't tell the supplier maybe or, or whatever, right? Uh, there's no real feedback. Um, it doesn't go all the way to the source of the problem. Or maybe it's in their production and the salesperson is the salesperson. Maybe she's not even in the same uh, facility, maybe not even the same city as the factory. I mean, and the mm-hmm. people in production are like, you know, it's it's fine. You know, they did an inspection, they took it, so it's not a problem. Yep. Right. That's you've just you've just set a new quality standard. Yes, exactly. It becomes a precedent, right? And then you you just shot yourself in the foot. You just uh, diluted your own standard. So mm. be very careful. Now, what can you do? I would say there's no good solution. Maybe some buyers just to uh, to prevent that you know from being a precedent. Ask the supplier to to sign a letter of whatever, you know, letter of guarantee that it would never happen again and they understand that uh, it's only accepted once and blah, blah, blah. Uh, sometimes they negotiate a discount on the next order. Now that's, you know, sort of slapping on the wrist of a kid, you know, it's it's a bit, how to say, uh, it's, it's not a great approach. And the thing is, you might negotiate a discount for the next order. Well, next order, you're going to try to find a way to avoid you know, losing money, at least make a little bit of money. So they mm. might actually get more of an incentive to chip on your product. <laughs> um, so sometimes they can come back and uh, bite you in, in, in the behind. Uh, mm. That's um, This is something that needs to be treated very, uh, very carefully. Right. So... As I mentioned, if you define your your standard, you know, okay, oh, I want this, I don't want that, and so on. In in different WeChat, uh, you know, messages and a few emails and some calls and so on, it doesn't get properly documented. That's not good. Okay, so you need to get it on paper, black and white, in one master document per per product or per product category. Okay, and there's something relatively easy is that if you had some samples and you had a batch of products already or two, three, four batches of product and you had some quality issues because usually that's how this conversation sort of starts. Well, then collect these photos, you know, take the photos of the problems, as I mentioned, and send it as feedback to the to the supplier, but keep them. Definitely keep them in a folder and then when you have time, open and it could be whatever. It could be a PowerPoint presentation, a Word document, you know, a, a Google Doc that you will um, save, you know, export as PDF. Uh, whatever is better than nothing here. But hmm. organize these photos and and organize them maybe by, I don't know, area of the product or type of defect, something like that. Try to find your own logic through that. And maybe there's some some defects on the on, on the export packing and the inner packing and the labeling and you know the, the product aesthetics and the product maybe function and and uh, things of, of that nature. And you 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 put these photos in the document and you write ideally you write it in the way that will be useful to a uh, a quality inspector 
who works for you, you know? Mm. So think of it as training for an inspector. And an inspector needs to know what is a defect or not a defect. That's the first thing, okay? So you might see some imperfections and you might want to say, okay, I take a photo of the imperfection, I describe it a little bit, and then I say, if it is maybe at the bottom of the product, okay, people really usually not going to see it. So if it's not bigger than that, it's okay, it's acceptable, it's an imperfection, but it's not to be called a defect. So already you mm-hmm. have um, you have an indication of what is not a defect. Okay, and then what is a defect? An inspector is going to want to know what is critical, major, minor. This is um, so. There's nothing set in stone or, or magical about this uh, this category. Um, it's it's not even in the the the, the, the statistical uh, you know standards that provide the uh, the accurate limits and, and so on, but it's very, very widespread, and it, it's it's not a bad way of categorizing the, um, um, the the kinds of defects, right? So critical mm. is something you don't want. Even even one one issue, one critical defect in a in a whole shipment, you know, is something that would cause rejection. So if it's something maybe that the customs might see on the on 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 a pallet or on a carton, and they might you know might lead to a lot of trouble maybe something that might hurt a user, you know, uh, harms personal safety or something like that, uh, yeah. you know, anything non-compliant to the rules and regulations, boom, you know, critical. But don't don't abuse it. Don't go beyond what I mentioned. And then what is a major defect? So a major defect is basically if you send to, um, to consumers, let's say the products are in stores, uh, imagine a consumer would go and and see the product, and then a relatively discerning customer will kind of you know they would look at the product before they pick it, right? But if it's not highly trained ins- inspector, but it, you know a customer who who looks at the product and want the product to look nice and so on and to function, and they would let's say they would play a little bit with it, and then if they if they see the defect, they would consider it as a problem. They would not buy the product. Right, and maybe mm. they they bring it home. They see that they will be unhappy to the point where they will bring it back to the store. Okay, this mm. is sort of the easy way of categorizing it. Now, if e-commerce is something that will cause them to return the product, for example, okay, you you need to adjust it. If it's B two B, or it's maybe a you know product doesn't function, or um, you know you need to translate it into the the logic. Of, of your, um, of the end customers and users. All right. And then mm-hmm. minor defects, it, it's, it's something that they might or might not notice. And if they notice it, usually on average, the customer will not return the product, but you know, they will not be thrilled. They will not be so happy. So you, you also want to have a limit on, on that and on the proportion of minor defects. Also, you don't want, you know, thirty percent or half of your products to have a minor defect. Okay, so mm. based on this logic, you you organize the the photos, and then for every one of them, you write, you know, critical, major, or minor, or something like that, or, or not a defect. If whatever, you know, if it's not very visible, if it's you know, light color on light color, or, or dark color on dark color, or if it's at the back of the product, or da da da. Right, you need to adjust yeah. this on your to, to your product. 
Okay, so this is super helpful for the for for for, for the inspectors at the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, super helpful for the inspectors who will work for you and check the production. Super helpful for you later to come back to the customer and say, hey, you know, ten uh, percent of your products that are received uh, are major defective. You know, oh, that means something. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and this can be used also um, as an appendix to a to to a manufacturing agreement or something like that right you mm-hmm. when you do a whatever you call it uh sales or purchase agreement or whatever a commercial agreement but that, you know it's it's a it's a very good practice to uh, to do it and to mention that document and keep it as an appendix because it will typically keep evolving over time and every time of course you send it to supplier make sure they they get it they understand they uh you know they confirm it's okay with them right and then if they if they go back on on it then you can say well you know uh, hey here i got you you um you confirmed it right Mm. Uh, maybe have have someone with their name you know to write on it and, and sign on it and so on and it's always better if you work with a chinese supplier to have actually the defect uh, classification and uh, description to be translated. Maybe you can find someone on your side to do that and it will ensure that it's not messed up by a salesperson, right? Who will do a translation job, might botch the translation job and might not even pass it on to to, to production <laughs> and, and to their quality team. I mean, sometimes we see some amazing things, right? It just gets lost somewhere. Uh, in in a mailbox that's not good uh that was tip number four Four. right yeah Uh, yeah yeah. tip tip number five now that you have documented that and you have classified you know these are some of the critical major and minor defects uh, based on on past issues well you can actually provide a tolerance on that Okay, and uh, this is a podcast, so we cannot really do a screencast and say, okay, <laughs> look at the how the tables work and this and that. But to simplify it, on average, if you keep buying the same kind of product from the same manufacturing place uh, in, a, in a series of batches, you know, and you 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 can say, well, and, and trusting the supplier and sort of taking most of the risk of. Um, of not catching issues and not putting too much risk of actually catching uh, issues while they are actually not that big of an issue, right? On, mm-hmm. on, on the manufacturer. So uh, that's, that's the logic behind the, um, what a lot of people call the AQL inspection system, you know, for, for random inspections. So uh, I guess some listeners are already thinking, well, what, what is it going into? I'm, you know, I'm dropping out of here. Uh, <laughs> there's um i think we'll we'll include the simply a link in the show notes you know so you can you can go and and read about that and see what the the, the sort of a, a generally accepted level of of uh, limits mm. okay equal limits that tend to apply to products of Average, lower than average level of quality, let's say this way, maybe in, in Western Europe and North America. Okay. And when I say average, mm-hmm. it's definitely not upper average, right? It's uh, average and lower average. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then 
the thing is a lot of suppliers are used to it if they if they've been exporting for some time i mean they will not discover that they've heard of it they kind of understand how it works sort of sort of um and then if you if you if you give them different limits they would be like no 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 hey this is what we do blah 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 you know um and if you try to go for tighter limits uh they might say, well, then we have to do more inspection work and we have to scrap more of the material, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of waste, you know. Uh, the cost mm. goes up 20%. <laughs> so obviously the earlier you, you cover that, the better, right? Yeah. Um, um, but it's better to do it now than never, okay? Right. And, and, and you need to weigh up, yeah. you, you need to weigh up which, uh-huh. which AQL limits are going to be right for you. Uh, yes, yes. You, the the sort of generally accepted ones, generally used mm-hmm. ones, may not be the best, mm. uh, the best fit for your company. You have to um, you have to think about it. You have to to really understand the impact of poor quality on your company, even mm. if it's in low proportions. If having you know two, three, four, five percent of bad products, if it might hurt you pretty bad then you need to go with tighter limits right yep. and if if really proportion like you know one two percent of of defects gonna hurt you that might push you to reconsider your entire uh, setup right and and just doing random inspections at the end of production is not going to cut it is not going to be sufficient it's going to mm. be good to to catch sort of widespread issues right uh, with relatively high certainty that it's going to catch it, but it's not going to be good to 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 avoid even one percent of defectives. No, it's not going yeah. to be sufficient. Uh, so you know, tip number six is um, if it doesn't really work, if the manufacturer is not receptive, if uh, they're not taking action, if you know things don't improve, or you don't you see clearly that you know there's no indication that things would improve. Well, guess what? It, it's not going to improve. <laughs> you have to assume that, unfortunately. And at one mm-hmm. point, you need to switch to, to another supplier, right? So that's where it becomes very complicated for some uh, some buyers because a lot of companies that buy products, that's especially true in China, are just setting up uh, you know, marketing channels for products that are, um, you know, sort of on the shelf, available for distribution. And then they go to whatever, Guangzhou, and they find a lot of things, a lot of samples, and they say, okay, just this one, I want it in gray with this logo, and this is the packaging, you know, and uh, and I, I want 5,000 of it. <laughs> well, mm. You cannot just switch to another supplier. First, it's not your product. So you need to think of, you know, either going back to to look for a similar product that another supplier has or, or redevelop it from scratch. But in, if you're in this situation, it's a very weak situation, uh, especially if there's maybe a plastic injection molding uh, enclosure and, you know, and, and things like that. And, there's basically there's investment at stake 
you're not going to be able to just go ahead and poof, magically <laughs> switch it to another supplier. Okay, there's going to yeah. have to be investments and preparation and so on. But um, yeah, if you're just distributing a product, a lot of companies have to deal with that. Distribute a product that's not really their product, and they just have to live with, you know, bad quality from their supplier. Now they can mitigate it by, you know, putting some extra pressure on this and that, and and sort of, you know, trying to block the um, the shipments before they leave the factory if they are bad and and uh, and so on, and keep applying some pressure and saying, you know, I. Here it hurts me because of I don't know my bad reviews on Amazon or this or that, and we could we could double the sales if quality is consistent consistently good and so on. So you, you sort of show them the carrot, but um, in many cases, it, it, you know, within what you would call the short and mid term, uh, in many cases nothing works. Okay, mm-hmm. nothing has an impact. Because in a lot of cases, it's poor design. It's not even a poor manufacturing. You picked a product that's already designed, but it was, it's not really a product. It was designed in a horrible way. And, you know, you have overrated components that uh, maybe, uh, you know, heat up and burn. You, you have components mm-hmm. that are, you know, maybe uh, mechanical components that's too weak and ruptures too easily or something of, of poor reliability just um just ends up breaking after a certain number of cycles or whatever right it could be a lot of things could be a lot mm. a lot of things so that's um yeah that's the situation um if you're in if you're distributing a, a product that's not your product you're in a weak situation if it's your product and you've developed it and you can then you can switch more easily to a new manufacturer if you have the bomb and if you have the the design files and everything. That's something we discussed many times on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, then in that case, you have it easier to switch to another supplier, right? And that ca- in, in that case, you know, basically developing and ramping up a, a backup factory and over time replacing the, the, the original bad manufacturer, right? Now, if the original bad manufacturer gets their act together, then, hey, you have, you know, you have a backup, you know, you have two factories to make your products yeah. uh, and maybe the backup is not that good in the end. Right. So um, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Let's say this way. So mm. that's about the case where you find that, you know, the factory is not following your, your, your standard and you need, to make sure that they're aware of it and they will be more likely to comply with it. But in a lot of cases, maybe you pick the wrong supplier or maybe the supplier mm-hmm. is whatever, for whatever reason, you know, is not a good fit for you or is just unable to, to produce consistent quality. So even if you explain to them, you know, this is my standard, this is what I want, and say so you're blue in the face, still it doesn't make a difference, right? And I, I there's yeah, there's something I wanted to cover here because people very often 
Don't try to understand why. What happened? Why is it inconsistent? Why do I getting surprised every time? Why, why? You know, how come? You know, they they give so little attention to my orders, or mm. you know, or or it's like, how come I'm so unlucky? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. that, this is not luck. All right, this is not luck. Uh, basically, one possibility, and I just mentioned it, is that is design issues the wrong components were selected or the wrong whatever it's it's put together the wrong way uh it's 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 not just not designed for for that kind of use and so on and so forth okay mm-hmm. then you you get an r&d team to do a design view and, and and so on or maybe you you need to to work on redesigning it okay but the types of issues that you find and also when you find the issues will tell you if it's a design issue okay if it's a manufacturing issue usually it's you know dead right out of the box if it's an electrical product or it it's caught you know during production or stuff to production right right away right or it appears within one two three months after um, after production if it's a product design issue then it will tend to fail after a few uses or after repeated use, maybe after after three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, right? If that's where the bulk of the failures take place, then it's, it's, um, it's more of a product design issue. Or, and that leads me to my second point, it might be poor manufacturing. Okay, so just a simple example. Electronic products, very often there's some manual uh, manual soldering. Okay, there's you have the PCB and then there's a few wires need to be connected to the to the battery and 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 to this and that element. Okay, and manual soldering, if it's not done with great care and in a very systematic manner, will not be done consistently well. And then, you know, the product might be okay if you test it right after, might be okay if you test it after shipment. Then the user drops the product from, you know, even if it's just 20, 30 centimeter, and then suddenly it doesn't work anymore. Well, the soldering broke and there's no more contact. You know, very, very um, common source of failure. So this is a reliability issue that comes from... Uh, poor manufacturing okay and there's a lot of examples of that if you have good process control this will help you have better product reliability okay Mm. yeah so so one of the things to look at is what about the the supplier's own manufacturing process you know sort of do they know what they're doing can they do it in a consistent manner you know consistently well Yes or no, right? Mm. And yeah, in some cases, go to a place and we're like, well, you know, this is a workshop. It's not really a manufacturing place, right? There's no supplier quality management. There's, there's no regular quality control, you know, checkpoints that are applied consistently. Uh, maybe there's no maintenance of, of of the production equipment. There's no 
you know, so basically they're just putting stuff together and shipping it out, but without any kind of assurance, right? So everything is possible in that case. That That's the worst, of course. That's the worst case. Uh, and I'm kind of uh, drawing a caricature here. Uh, but, mm. but, but yeah, in some cases, that's that if your supplier is, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, that's actually quite likely. Okay. They mm. just put things together for other companies and the other companies select the components, buy the components, check the components, send the components to them and then send their own inspectors to check on production and uh, finished product. But then suddenly they get a direct customer is you. They're happy and they have someone to kind of translate and, uh, but they don't they don't have any idea about how to make it all work right so their fault or your fault well yeah their fault because they should know but also your fault because you picked the wrong supplier for your needs right um mm-hmm. so that's the that's a very common um situation and then sometimes mm-hmm. and that's really sort of infuriating to a lot of buyers the recurring quality issues come from the suppliers of the supplier you know the sub suppliers uh, or sub sub suppliers right oh it comes from whatever it comes from yeah it's the plating the plating is bad oh okay well let's go have a look well <laughs> you can't because you know maybe they buy that that that, that part that that's die cast in their supplier and their supplier has their own surface treatment supplier that who does the plating you know, and your supplier doesn't even know where the plating is done. Very common. Mm. Right. So how do you even start to fix that? Right. And your yeah. supplier anyway has zero understanding of the plating process. Right. Uh, oh, is it because of the geometry of the part and the way they placed it in the, uh, yeah, the, the, the parts like this? And maybe they should be, no, they have no clue about that. You know, what, 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 what amount of solid is in the bath and how often do they check it? And blah, blah. no, they have no clue. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and how come, you know, or maybe this comes from some grease or from some dirt and it was not properly prepared. They have no clue. Your supplier cannot help you. And even if you know exactly what they're supposed to do in the plating area, you are not allowed to go because even your supplier is not allowed to go because even your supplier doesn't know where it is. And the, in that case, the die casting supplier treats it as a business secret, right? Very common in China, right? And and maybe even if you you push hard and you get access maybe they will say, well, you can go, but you cannot go to that specific uh, room where we actually do the, the plating. You know, that, that's real story. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, then, you know, why come at all? It's just a waste of time. Uh, mm. And and maybe it's also a way for them to uh, cover their tracks and say, well, I bring them to my friend's plating factory or whatever. And at the same time, I tell these guys, yeah, yeah, just tell them, you have your production. Next time we put the production in your place, you know, but it's not even the place where plating is taking place, <laughs> right? It, it, it's just, um, you know, welcome to China, basically. Um, <laughs> if you haven't done your, your work of setting up the supply chain properly and you work with 
the wrong enough supplier, that's very likely to happen. Very, very likely. So if it's a supplier's issue, you know, a sub-supplier's issue, what do you do with your supplier? Well, you should be rejecting parts if they're bad, right? How have they accepted it? And this is, again, one of these things that infuriates uh, typical foreign buyer is they will say, well, oh, it's a supplier's problem. It's a supplier's problem. Well, okay, but, you know, your supplier is accountable to you and you're accountable to me, right? Oh, well, mm. it's not really us. It's the supplier. And, you know, it's very complicated and, mm. oh, you know, whatever. Oh, plating, um, you know, most of the, the small plating factories were closed uh, because they did not have the the way to, to treat the wall properly and they could not comply with the law. Now it's only big places and they're not interested in your small orders. You know, it's very, very hard. Nobody really wants to accept your orders. This is sort of the best you can get, you know, get used to it, right? Uh, that's the message be- between the lines. And then what do you do? Well, do you... In some cases, it's better to to stop fresh and um, and try to set up the supply in the right way. And some of the times, it's better to work with the current supplier and maybe they can change their own supplier. And maybe you need to to help them and push them, help them even to to find you know a better supplier, right? And many buyers had to do that. So it 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 really comes down to a root cause analysis. Okay. Mm-hmm. And next time, what will you do better? Will you be better at selecting your supplier and your entire supply chain? Will you be better at actually documenting the, the type of standard that, that you want them to, to follow? Um, how do you, how can you even confirm that that standard is a good fit for that supplier next time? You know, maybe trying to gauge what kind of other Customers they tend to work with and and things like that, right? A lot mm-hmm. of questions, a lot of open questions here, because it depends so much on the exact specific situation. Uh, but these are the right sure. questions generally that buyers need to ask. Okay. Yeah, sense. yeah. It certainly does. It certainly does. And I mean, talking about the quality standard, it all starts from there. And that's actually, you know, that's sort of homework, isn't it? That's that's homework for you mm-hmm. yourself, the buyer. And we have spoken about quality standards before on the podcast. I, I will add at this point because we didn't uh, mention that at the start. But do look out for the show notes because I'll leave links to our podcast episodes on quality standards. And also some of the amazing content that you've written about the AQL as well. I think that's something to include and switching manufacturers. There'll be all sorts of stuff in there. A good one today, Renaud. Thanks. I think that's very, very helpful to the listeners, I hope. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. All right. Well, then um, uh, thanks to the listeners. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for, for the next episode next week. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.